Hello and welcome to this episode of Game On Girl, where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. We all know the holidays is quickly approaching. Mistletoe, carols, cards, tree decorating, menorah lighting, lots and lots of varied traditions coming up. And presents to buy and presents to receive. So this week, we're going to share some of our recommendations about games you can give or receive in both digital and board game formats. Many families have lots of gaming traditions around the holidays, new board games to play or card games they only get to play with certain family members. If you have a tradition like this, we'd love to hear about it. And if you don't, maybe we'll inspire you to start some. So Rhonda, what's your first pick? Well, I'm going to start with the digital games, and uh, this is kind of a funny story. Um, I wanted to talk about games that we have not discussed on the show at all. We've talked about a lot of Borderlands and Mass Effect and different things like that, uh, which are all great recommendations. But I kind of wanted to come up with something new, but I have been so immersed in Borderlands 2, I really didn't have anything new to talk about. So I went out on Steam yesterday and downloaded a bunch of demos for some different games that you just, either the artwork caught my eye or the video was really good or whatever. That's a great recommendation in and of itself. Um, yeah. Demos on Steam is a great way. Um, not that I want to encourage any kind of gateway activity, but <laughs> you can download a lot of, almost all the games I think on Steam have a demo of some sort. Yeah, they do. And it, the demos to play are really, really great. They pretty much will cover like the first chapter or the first level of the game, and which is typically the tutorial. Mm -hmm. And so by the end of the tutorial of the first level, you've really got to feel and look for the game, yeah. you know, how it navigates and stuff like that. So I, what, what, surprised me more is I, I've got some honorable mentions, but the two that I came up with, I think that our listeners have all heard of, but I had never played. The first one is World of Goo. And I believe it's been around for a while. It was developed by 2D Boy, which is an independent game developer. I love supporting them. Mm -hmm. It is only on uh, desktop or mobile devices. It doesn't, in other words, it, it's not on consoles, which is kind of cool, though. It's it's pretty much on every mobile device you can think of. You can actually play it on the Wii. Yes. Yeah, you can play it, and you can play it two-player on the Wii, so. Oh, really? Yes, yes. You can, oh, and you control it. You use that, well, I won't go into the details since you haven't talked about the gameplay, but yes, two people can play it together using the Wii controllers. Um, one of the things I like about it, of course, the first thing that draws me usually when I'm scrolling through this huge, huge list of games is the artwork, of course. Uh, I'm drawn to a particular type of artwork. Um, I usually don't like the uh, Sugar Rush, Candyland kind of <laughs> look to games. But this is definitely a very large crayon cartoon type look to it, although it's kind of got a a little gr a grungy edge to it a little bit, but it is a physics game and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a whole lot like, uh, like angry birds and limbo and night sky. And if anybody remembers, uh, machinarium, all of those are basically physics games. You are given an environment, you're given objects to manipulate that are controlled by the physics of the environment. 
um, with World of Goo, it's all of these bubbles of goo. <laughs> and they have certain properties, and you can manipulate the certain types of goo in particular ways, and you can build structures. And I guess the main point of the game is to build your structure until it reaches a goal point in the game. Um, in the first tutorials, they were a pipe. So I had to build my goo tower so that it reached the pipe. And then any goo bubbles that were unused that are left on, they, they roll around on top of the structure, get sucked up into the pipe. Right. And however many bubbles you have left, those are added to your score. Right. Um, you kind of have to see it to believe it. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those games where you could spend hours trying to describe it and yeah. nobody would, uh, would actually be able to see what the game looks like. And it's, but it's absolutely yeah. mesmerizing to mm -hmm. watch though. Oh, yeah. Even if you don't download the demo, go out and watch the video. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it's one of the few games. Now I, I get this when I'm playing on a console game, but it's one of the few games that I've played where I actually kind of had a tactile um, reaction. reaction to oh, it. Oh, interesting. It's, I sort of feel those bubbles when the tower's waving. <laughs> I, I kind of pull my body <laughs> and tighten my it. muscles. And, yeah. <laughs> That's and I can just, I can feel the weight of those bubbles and, and different things like that. It's, it's fascinating because the, like I said, it's kind of, like your giant crayon artwork, but the brilliance I think in that is they've used great efficiency right. in the artwork so that, because you're doing some very complicated things. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And it gets more and, and more complicated the deeper you get into the game and the more, you know, yes. complex the puzzles get. And some of the stuff you do at the end is really, it's, it's really very challenging puzzle game. Yeah. 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 But, and beautiful. And, <laughs> I mean, once you see all these bubbles rolling around and oozing together and sticking to each other and walls and stuff like that, it's just, it's just really fascinating. And, and the interface was pretty easy to pick up mm -hmm. fairly quickly. Yeah. And that's another, uh, brilliance to the efficiency, mm -hmm. uh, uh, creating the game, the mechanics and, and the play style and stuff. And even if you know, a friend who already owns the game, they might not have it on, on all their platforms. Right. If they have to play it on Steam, they might not have it on their iPhone or their Android, or they may not have it on their laptop. So even if you know a friend who's already got the game, maybe you can just get it for them for their iPad. Yeah, exactly. Because sometimes it's, it's, it's a completely different experience to play it on a different, in a different format. And I, oh, yeah. I, I think a lot of credit needs to go to the designers of games like world of goo that that can be so effectively played in multi multi-formats um, that is so hard to do. It, it, it's got to be next to impossible and I, I and i've i've played some games where you know because i'm primarily a pc gamer so i have played some games that were translated from console games to uh pc that that don't the controls don't always fit <laughs> quite right with the the pc so as i've been in the situations where i've been like oh this is just not quite working right and then somebody will say oh well it was a console game and then i'm like oh well that makes sense so when when you can you know um translate it from one platform to the next it's just really fantastic and world of goo would do that beautifully yeah 
Well, what's your first pick? So my first pick, um, also digital one, is uh, one I got uh, just this past weekend on Steam. It's called Waves, and it's a twin stick shooter. So it's a it's a solo game you play on your own, and with your um, your keyboard controls, you're creating, you're controlling the movement around the 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 screen, and with your mouse, you're shooting. So okay. you're a little ball <laughs> that's rolling around this sort of um, uh, shallow pool. It looks like um, it's very. <laughs> I love I love us describing these. I things. know I'm like trying to like think about like what kinds of words am I going to use? Go to the website and look at the screenshots. <laughs> to me, it just shows the 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 depth and breadth of the creativity of the artists no that doubt. we've got now in gaming. No doubt at all. Um, okay, so I interrupted. That's shallow right. Pool. So shallow, shallow pool. round pool of like it looks kind of like water. It behaves a little like water as you're rolling through it, and your little ball that's essentially rolling through this like controlled space and shooting at these other bombs that are coming at you. And um, like I said, you're moving with one hand and you're shooting with the other. And it's really very, you know, it's a very casual, very arcade style game. And um, it's got great electronica music that I only realized last night when I was playing it for the second or third time actually changes as the intensity of the game increases. Nice. Um, and I was like, oh, OK, I get it. I see it now because there's like several different songs it goes through and you don't realize at first that it's sort of slow paced and then it picks up as the game picks up. So I thought that was a really nice touch. It's really pretty. Um, it's dark, you know, black with like neon colors. All the balls are neon colors. They all have different properties, like different um, intensities of color. So like the pink ones that you first see, the pink bombs that are, you know, they're just sort of lazily rolling towards you. And then as the colors get darker and you get to the red ones, the red ones are flying straight at you. (laughs) And so you have to kind of be on your toes about what, you know, what's coming from where. It also has, I think it's five different play modes. So you can play a bomb rush where you have to like, you have to deliver the bombs from one side of the screen to the next. I haven't actually played that one because I know it's going to be tough for me to control it. They have a crunch. I think it's called crunch where you, um, is the one I, I favor, which is like just three minutes of, you know, get the highest score you can get. And I, yeah. I got in the zone last night and I had my top score had been 600,000 points or something or along that. And, I got another 150,000 points last night. So I was like 750, 760. And I didn't even realize like I had gotten such a high score. And then I stopped the the game ended. and I was like, oh, wow, I topped my high score. And I didn't even notice because I was so, you know, engaged in what I was doing with it. So I bought it on a Steam sale. I don't know if people caught there. They had their fall sale last week, um, which is just I mean, it's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. It's wonderful. It's one of the things I love about Steam is that they have a lot of indie games, which I love, and they have a lot of sales. <laughs> and so I got it on sale. It's actually $10, uh, not on sale, on Steam. Um, and I bought it for 250 I think. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> so I was pretty pleased about that, and I know I'm going to have a fair amount of it. It's like It's one of those nice games like in between playing like Borderlands or something else that you might be more intensely engaged in. It's a nice little game just to kind of pop in and play for a few minutes and listen to some great sort of trance music and, yeah, just have some fun with. Um, I'm going to chase a rabbit real quick. Okay. I was on... 
of course, I was on Steam all day yesterday, but um, my sister had a brilliant idea today about getting mom a gift card to online gaming site. And I was like, duh, why did she think of that? And I didn't. And I'm like, well, I'll get mom on Steam and then she and I can play. There are plenty of games out there that she could play. But Steam, I am having the hardest time with you. I, I don't have any problem going out there and buying my games or downloading demos or something. But to buy a gift for someone else... I've just had the worst time today. I have yet to get it accomplished. Well, I've had so, time. But one thing, it wouldn't let me log in. It keeps telling me that my login isn't working. And if I'll type in a code, they'll email me a code I'll type in. And I sit and I never receive the email. I give up after 15 minutes or so. Then I get the email and I go back. Then the codes don't work. Oh, it's just, it's been a nightmare just to buy a gift, but That's awesome. I'll work it out. Yeah, I hope you do. Cause I've, as you know, I gift on steam all the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you gift to people already have an account. So when I send to you, Orcs must die too. You didn't have. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, I, I must be, I'm probably doing something fundamentally wrong. Cause I've had other people gift me yeah. on steam as well. So I'll figure it out. Yeah. That becomes a small addiction as well. Yeah. <laughs> Steam, <laughs> especially yeah. when you can get like a four pack of a game you really like or a game you're really interested in playing. Um, yeah, we did that too. <laughs> we did that for um, recently for uh, Left for Dead. They had the special where you went out there and they let you play the, during the weekend for free. Yeah. And then they had four copies of it, I think, for $14. My goodness. That's yes. Crazy. That's absolutely like, oh, I'll find somebody to give that to at Christmas. Uh, no doubt. <laughs> and somebody will thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them Doc Liz recommends the chainsaw. <laughs> yes. <laughs> A bad day, chainsaw, left for dead, and you're set. <laughs> You've got to see Gigi with a chainsaw. Oh, I've, okay. I've had it in my head since the very beginning. So. <laughs> right on. Well, can I do my second one? Your, what's your next uh, digital game? Well, this one is is almost kind of embarrassing. Uh, it's it's another game I demoed on Steam, and it's another one everybody's going to be extremely familiar with. Part of my um, criteria for picking the games today was to see, okay, which one of these demos kept me engaged the longest. Good plan, good plan. And World of Goo was number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one... <laughs> was Civilization 5. Oh, Civ 5. Mm-hmm. Now, my 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 best friend has played Civilization forever. And I've sat and watched her play a little bit. I'm just like, you know what? I just, I couldn't possibly get into that game. It just, <laughs> it does not seem mm-hmm. engaging. It doesn't seem entertaining. I don't understand what's going on. There's too much juggling going on. And so... They, her and her brother were playing it this weekend. It's like, you know what? I've got, I just want to give it a try. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I am embarrassed at how long I played that demo yesterday. <laughs> it, is, it, it is probably the game that I enjoyed so much that I do not need to own it. 
And I don't know whether or not that is really promoting the game very well or not, but what it does promote is the idea of trying new things. Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I had the same experience with Civ Five. I've I've watched people play it. I've watched people play other um, you know, earlier versions of Civ um on like my my original PlayStation. Um and I always looked at it and I was like, oh, that looks like the most boring thing ever. Yeah. I mean, it's not. I just couldn't quit. Really not. Once you get into it, once you start to understand the mechanics, once you understand what's going on, once you start to see it as a puzzle rather than, you know, necessarily a puzzle with strategy involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I can't remember if I told this story the first time I played it. I played a solo game on my own just trying to get the hang of the mechanics. <laughs> I didn't know, you know, you're not supposed to just like jump in and start attacking people. So this band of marauders, you know, came through what looked like it was going to start being my territory. So I attacked them. And um, for the rest of the game, everybody feared me. (laughs) (laughs) That little when you have the dialogue option and you can see how the other people who are communicating with you feel about you. It's like friendly or neutral or whatever. Mine was afraid. Afraid. Well, I, I always like people to be kind of afraid of me, and but I, I'm very tentative in the game. But but anyway, the the basics of the game are you you are uh, you brought you're brought into a particular area of the um, continent in ancient history, and you are given a particular piece of land, and you are one of the rulers. Like today, I started one. I was Alexander the Great, and so he is trying to conquer as much of the area around Greece and in Greece that, that he can. And it's a resource management thing. You um, develop your culture and you try to grow. And I mean, it's exactly what you've ever heard that civilization is, but I just, they have done it in such a way that is just phenomenally engaging and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's really it's really fun, and and there's there's so much depth and so many different ways to play. Yeah. So many different win conditions that you can apply. Um, I love building the wonders. Like that's just like one of my favorite things to do. Is like, oh, I built hanging gardens. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Those are always things that I find I find fun. Um, and I know they're there. It's not like a key. Often it can be, you know, part of the game, but it's not a key component to it. But it's always something that I, for whatever reason, I'm just always drawn to. Oh, look, here's this famous his- historical thing that I built. So yeah, yeah it, it it is lots of depth, lots of fun to play. So. And for a game, and don't get me wrong, it is it, it is a very complicated game, oh. and. As I was playing it, I, I don't know, I was playing it for about three to five minutes, and I'm like, yeah, this isn't going to work for me. <laughs> and then it was over. Right. So for a game that's that complicated, the interface is really good. Mm-hmm. They've obviously, I've, I haven't seen any versions before five, mm-hmm. but they are, they, they seem to be really perfecting that mm-hmm. because they do have a lot of things going on. There's a ton of information on the screen, yep. but it's organized really well. Yeah. And it did not take me long at all to find out where I needed to go to buy things, where I needed to go to check on management, yep. uh, where I needed to go for help. So for, a game like this with such a huge map and so much going on, it is easy to read. It is easy to look at and easy to get around in. Yeah. I, I mean, it's phenomenal. It's, it's a, remarkable that 
such a complex interface can be so intuitive. Yes. It's just, you're just like, oh, okay, that totally makes sense that that's right there. Oh, I get it. That's where I click to see this. Yeah. It just, it completely comes together. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, it, it, there's, there's just brilliance in that, that whole user interface is so flawless that it allows someone to sit down in five minutes. Yep. Round in it. Yeah. That's just, you know, yep. that's priceless. Yeah. And again, if you have a friend who's already an avid uh, civilization game player. There are expansions out there for Civ Five and DLCs on Steam, so you can add additional content. Yep, absolutely. Uh, for anybody who already has the game, yep. so there's still still more still you can more buy to do. And it does, and, and it has just a okay. desktop game, right? What was that? I think it's just a desktop game. I don't know about that actually. I know it used to be a console game as well, so I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure if it is exclusively desktop or um I had trouble when I was looking today. The only thing I saw was PC and Mac. It could be it could be that it just sort of moved ah. to that. I mean, I, I actually think I still own the the PlayStation 1 <laughs> version of it. <laughs> So I think it used to be, but it, it, they might have just moved it to to um, desktop gaming instead. So, and as usual for our listeners, um, this is Game on Girl podcast. We will have links to all of these where you can go look at the videos and go look at the pictures and uh, follow up so that you can buy some of these. Um, almost all of these can found be found on Steam or on Amazon, mm -hmm. and some of them in just your regular retail stores like Target and Best Buy. Yes. Excellent. So your second digital? So my second digital suggestion is a game that I, I haven't actually had a whole lot of time to play yet. I will I will admit that because if I don't put that up front, um, a few of my gamer friends are going to start uh, ragging on me for <laughs> recommending a game I probably have, I don't know, 30 hours into at this point. But it's an MMO. It's Guild Wars 2, um, which is the new MMO I started playing Oh, I guess about two months ago I bought it. Um, there's a couple of things uh, game politics-wise that I really like about Guild Wars 2, so I'm going to put those out first. Um, it's $59.99 to buy for your PC, um, and you don't have to pay for expansions. They're constantly adding new content to it, which you don't have to pay for, which is unlike nice. other MMOs that people have played. So the expansions and the new areas that they build into the game are, you know, you just pay that flat $60 fee for the game and there's no subscription fee. Ooh, you don't have to nice pay one. a monthly fee for it. So you pay that $60 and you have the game and you get the new content. And that alone is compelling for me. If you like MMOs, that's compelling to continue to play yeah. Guild Wars. Uh, it is a very streamlined MMO experience. They took away the vast majority of things that used to drive me crazy about MMOs because it's, you know, the same setup generally you meet an NPC that tells you to go run a quest and then you go do that quest and you collect the, whatever they're asking for flowers or skins or whatever that they need. And then you bring them back to them. And so a lot of leveling is running back and forth between what you're doing for whoever's quest you're running at the time. Well, what they've done with Guild Wars is you run into an area and you just automatically pick up whatever quest is there. It pops up on your screen. This is the quest for this area. 
Okay. And it has a little, if you're looking at the map, there's a little empty heart. And if you've done the quest in that area, it will fill with gold. So it'll show that you've done the quest in that area. Nice. So it automatically picks up. You don't have to run to the NPC and say, yes, can I have your quest? You all track everything, like how many quests you have going, because they just pop up as you run through the area that you're playing in. Efficient? Yes, very efficient. And instead of having to run back to the NPC to say, hey, I finished your quest, once you do that, it marks it done on your screen. Oh, that's great. And you get an email with whatever your reward was. So you, what do you mean an email? Um, a mail message in the game. Sorry, not an email, but a mail message in the game. It'll pop up. Oh, well, okay. Screen, like the mail icon will pop up and say you have one unread message. Oh, okay. The currency you are getting from doing the quest is in that that mail message instead of you having to run back to collect your booty from your quest giver. So that's nice. It really cuts down on the back and forth here, go get this for me, come back, go get this for me, come back, kind of thing that really, in my experience, dragged down my multiplayer, you know, RPG experience. Yeah, depending on what their travel situation is, I mean, that's the way it is in Borderlands 2, and they've got the quick travel stations, but still, I, I completely understand what you mean. Sometimes it gets gets annoying. You you just want to collect all of those missions and then do a trip back to take them all back. So you don't have to kind of go back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. And in and out of, um, you know, whatever your capital city is and, you know, back and forth again. So, so it really has streamlined that experience. It's a beautiful game. It's got a fantastic character creator that has you know, different body types and different, you know, all kinds of different choices. So if you are a, a role player or you're a, a self gamer and you want to go in and, you know, play <laughs> around with your with your avatar creator, there's a lot there's lots of options for that. Well, what's the setting again? I mean, what's the the story? I, I Did I miss that? Oh, I didn't. I don't think I mentioned it. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy world. Um, I don't really know the backstory of it necessarily. That's the other thing that I love about it is one of the things, as I said before, I didn't really like about Star Wars The Old Republic was it was too story-based. And yeah, what's great about Guild Wars is there's still a story involved. Each of your characters has a story that's sort of their story so you have your story quest or your character quest that you're running as well as to whatever you find in the world that you're in and that story quest is advancing the story of how you came to the world how you're helping the fight that they're in depending on which race you're you're playing there's four maybe five i can't remember off the top of my head see this is what happens when i don't have a whole lot of time in playing (laughs) there are four or five races you can play male or female avatars of each one um i started out with a silvari um ranger which is a like a hunter with a pet uh which is very much my go-to class and got really bored with that really quickly because it's pretty much my go-to class and is the same in, you know, every game. So then I created a Char Guardian, which is like a paladin and is a melee character. And the Char are um, cat people. So they have like cat faces and cat and paws and such. And um, I spent an extraordinary amount of time (laughs) 
on my char. And I was so proud when my friend Mark looked at it and said, it looks just like Matilda, my cat. <laughs> That's what I was trying to do. <laughs> oh, so cute. Set out with that. But when I started and I, saw, I started looking at some of the combinations, I'm like, oh, this kind of looks like Matilda. And so then I just went with it and then started like making everything kind of look like that. And so, um, so yeah, it was, it was that, that made it pretty fun as well. So yeah. Cool. Well, I had a couple of honorable mentions. I'm not going to get into any details, but if, if you go out on steam, if you've got a, um, a login there, check out the demo for castle castle crashers and for unstoppable Gorg. Yeah. I haven't, I don't know anything about either of those to be Frank, but I did see a ton of cosplay going on for Castle, Castle Crashers at PAX. So I know. Yeah, the, the artwork is hilarious. And when I was playing it, it reminded me of the, um, John. Actually, my husband mentioned it sounds like, uh, it, or it looks like Bart Simpson. <laughs> and it's kind of Diablo crosses the Simpsons. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think that that really describes it quite well. But it's a it's sort of a, a medieval fighting game. You're a knight and you fight all these people, but it's just it's really cute. And Unstoppable Gorg is a tower defense game that is really beautiful and shockingly similar mechanics to Plants vs. Zombies. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. Right on. Okay. So tabletop games? There's some tabletop games. Um, my first one is Tribune and of course, fantasy flight games. They are great at board games. Um, Tribune is set in the Roman empire of the ancient world. And basically you're one of many of the major patrician families in the Roman empire. And it is a competitive game where you are competing against the other families of the Roman empire for dominance in Rome. Mm, Okay. There are several ways that you can gain dominance. Um, There are different factions in Rome, like the senators and the gladiators, and you try to control more factions than others. You try to have more money than others. You try to get the favor of the gods. There are s- several, multiple combinations uh, and permutations of winning uh, attributes. Mm. And they're all listed and you can randomly fi- uh, pick them. So each game is different. Even if you p- play the same exact winning conditions every time, mm-hmm. the game is different. Right. Um, it is a resource management game. It is, in my opinion, it it's one of the weirdest games. You sit down to play it, and the rules are fairly complicated. The, in fact, the rules are not that difficult. Playing the game is not that difficult. Figuring out the winning mechanics, mm. that's what's kind of difficult. But for some reason, when you're playing it, I don't know. It, it It's captivating and it's so much fun. You just can't quit playing. <laughs> and we've been, we've been playing it for a while. And every time I sit down, I've never had that beginner's luck thing that I've told you about that I have <laughs> because I just don't get the game. I can't figure out a strategy. I, works, I start yeah. going in one direction and I'm like, you know what? I know this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. I've already messed myself up. But as you're playing it, I mean, the, the, the gameplay is so much fun mm-hmm. and there are so many different ways you can go about it. 
um, it's more it's more than worth the time because every time we sit down to play it, we all kind of feel the same way, and we're like, man, that that's so much fun. I just want to play it again, right? Because there's so much to discover, but. Um, even if someone has already got the game Tribune, there's also an expansion for it. So you could buy the expansion. I'm not quite sure what's in that because I haven't figured out the first game just yet. <laughs> even though I recently won. I recently won Did the you? game. <laughs> I had a strategy and it worked. Yay. <laughs> and I may happens. use only that strategy from now on. Yeah, the only problem with really that fun. is that when you're playing with the same people is that then they learn yeah, your strategy no. and then they start oh, yeah. spanking you because you're using the same strategy again. Really so fast. You have yeah. to be, yeah, you have to be kind of careful. It sounds yeah, like a, a tabletop version a little similar to Civ Five. Um, a little bit, except that it's more of like politics. It's more like bidding. Oh. There are... Okay. What you do is there are, uh, I believe there are seven factions. Mm-hmm. And you want to control various factions for different reasons mm-hmm. because they, you know, whatever faction you control will get you different favors. Right. And there are, well, I think there's seven or eight areas on the game board Mm -hmm. and faction cards are laid down in a variety of ways in these eight areas. Mm -hmm. So in the first area, two cards are laid down face up. Everybody knows what they are. So first player gets first chance at getting one of those cards and it only costs one gold. Right. So if those are really good cards, you get them for free. You go from zero to nine. Mm -hmm. Um, the next area shows six cards face up, and they're all three dollars. Mm-hmm. So first come, first serve. Then you get into bidding wars. Oh, to get the other cards. Yes, in the third, fourth, and fifth sections, and in one section is called the latrine. It's one card face down, and you take a gamble. It's like I'll, I'm going to gamble on looking at that card. If I like it. I can buy it at face value. If not, I'll just take the gold value for it. Mm. And so it's done in turns like that. So you each take turns putting your markers on the areas where I want to bid on this, I want to buy this, and who gets there first. And then at the very end, you you bid on who's going to control which factions. Mm -hmm. And the cards you've gathered through all that auctioning and everything, you try to rack up a high score. Right. The cards, and then you present those cards so you can control the faction. It, it's just interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like it would also, like you said, have a lot of replay value with it. Okay. A lot of challenge involved. So. Um, and so, what about you for your tabletop? So my first tabletop, I'm, I'm actually, I'm cheating a lot. I'm, che- I'll, I'll admit, I'm cheating a lot with the tabletop one. So my first suggestion is actually two games. <laughs> Uh, I had honorable mention. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so I, my first suggestions are for spiky, spicy Farkle and Five Crowns. And spicy Farkle is a dice game, and Five Crowns is a gin-based um, card game. 
And these are the standard set of games I gift my friends. Um, I can think off the top of my head of like five different times I've, I've given them out as a set to different friends. Um, they are quick to learn and engaging and fun and have a lot of replay value. There's, they're not strategy games necessarily. There's a little strategy in Five Crowns. Uh, there's not pretty much any strategy in Spicy Farkle. Uh, Farkle, is a, as I said, is a dice game. If you've played... I don't know how many people know, 10,000. We played 10,000 growing up. Um, it's a little based on Yahtzee, but not really. What makes Spicy Farkle fun is it has, it's a set of six dice, and each die has a different red number on it. So you have one red one, one red two, etc. through six. Mm-hmm. And after everybody has scored once and is on the board, those red die will double the score of whatever they come up in so three sixes is 600 points so if you have three sixes and you have the red six in it it's 1200 points okay so that's what sort of ups the stakes a little bit for for the dice but what you can also do in spicy farkle is you can what my mother has nicknamed snivel off someone so let's say you're rolling (laughs) and you get you know because if you there's some high scoring rolls you can get a straight like on your first roll if you roll one through six you'll get 1500 points now if you have two red numbers in that you have 4500 points now you get to take all your dice and put them back in the cup and roll them again so you can get some pretty high scoring rolls going around so let's say you finish rolling and you have two dice that you haven't scored on but four others and you've got i don't know five thousand points going you stop there you take your five thousand points because you always have to have a scoring die in order to keep your points so you take your five thousand points you have two die left over the person next has the option to roll the two die off your score Oh. So they can roll a one or a five on those two die, which are 100 or 50 points, and then get 5,100 points, and then stop there and hand the next die off to the next person. So, And what's your mother's term for this? Sniveling. Sniveling. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. which has caught on with all my friends call it sniveling, although it's nowhere in the rules, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just our culture. So um, the first time we played it, I took it for Christmas a couple years ago to my mom's because I knew she would like it, and we played it, and she was totally into the sniveling. So we actually got have had times where it, has, it goes all the way around the table. Everybody scores on the same hand over and over again, and it continues to build. And it's gotten up, I think we've had like a single set of rolls that have gotten up to like 10 thousand points before oh wow yeah it's and it's so much fun because when it gets there everybody's like nervous and oh my god am I gonna lose it what's gonna happen what's gonna happen how are we gonna do this you know and what kind of points am I gonna get and um and it gets really fun and and really fast and you play till twenty five thousand points which I know sounds like a lot of points but with some of those sniveling rolls man (laughs) it doesn't take very long at all so that's spicy farkle um which is 8.99 you can buy off amazon and five crowns like I said is a gin based game you start five crowns with three cards and threes are wild and you have to get a gin hand either you know a set of three or a run of three with the same suit and then it increases from there so next hand you have four cards and fours are wild next hand you have five cards and fives are wild 
you go all the way up to kings, which are 13. And the slogan of the game is, um, the game's not over till the king's gone wild. <laughs> so you keep playing. And your point is to put down as many of your cards in books, in, in gin sets as you can, and up until the king. And you want to get as few points as possible. So the higher number of cards, like jacks are worth 11 points, queens are worth 12 and kings are worth 13. So holding on to those cards sometimes at the low end of your your yeah. you know can be kind of tricky. So um it's really fast and really easy to learn and pick up and then you know by the end of the <laughs> the end of the game you're holding 13 cards in your hand and praying you have a bunch of kings. <laughs> Those are both really good holiday games. They are fantastic holiday games. Um, I can't imagine uh, uh, now that I've I've played them. As I said, they were sort of my standard set of, you know, social games that I play with my family and friends. I can't imagine a holiday without a few rounds of uh, Five Crowns or Spicy Farkle. And um, my mom beats everybody. <laughs> nobody goes easy on her they she just always wins and so it's kind of um kind of fun to 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 watch her she takes um she's very she's very polite about the winning but she does delight in the fact that she uh that she does quite well playing it so definitely well i mean they're they're easy to carry wherever you're going and they're it's extremely social it's extremely social yeah easy to explain i mean those are great yeah i played spicy farkle a couple weeks ago with a four and five year old who um had way more fun just rolling the dice than anything else but they were you know they were getting the scoring and they were catching up on things too so you know with a little guidance they could jump in and play as well so it it really does have a wide range of people it's really like i said they're really easy once you get the basic rules down, they're really fun to play and a lot of replay value where you can always throw in a game of a uh, spicy farkle and have a good time with that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty yeah, cool. Those are good. So what's your next, uh, your next tabletop game? Well, I'm extremely excited to talk about this tabletop game um, because I know the creator. Oh, awesome. Yeah. It was a Kickstarter project. Um, the creator is Doug Bass, and he is, or was, he was in our gaming, our local gaming group. Um, but I actually met him at a job I did a couple of years ago, a contract I did. Um, that's when I got back into board gaming. I went to the lunchroom uh, during one of my breaks, and there were guys down there playing tabletop games. And I was absolutely fascinated. I had read articles about Settlers of Catan and different things like this. And I went down and I, I was like, do you guys mind if I watch? And they're like, no, do you want to play? I'm like, no, just, just let me watch. And it, it, any chance they got, they would go down there and play. Nice. So that's how I got to meet Doug. And then he had invited us to go to their gaming group, which we didn't do for about a year. It took a while to get some of my friends back into mm-hmm. it, but... Doug got us to go into the gaming group and he kept telling us, I'm developing this game. I would, I want to play it as much as possible and get as many test subjects to play as possible. Um, our timing never worked out. He would be at the gaming group and somebody else would already be sitting down to play it. So we never get to play it in beta, Mm. but it went on to Kickstarter. It got funded very, very easily. And the, I actually got to play it for the first time a couple of weeks ago. It is a charmingly beautiful game. It is, it's not, it's not difficult to describe at all. It's called Garden Dice. 
And it's, I believe the company, Meriday Games, I believe that is probably Doug's gaming company. Because I know he's got some other games in mind that he's wanting to develop. That's the sort of the building. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the game is on sale at the Meriday gaming site. We'll have that link on the, on the blog. But it's a, it's a very basic game that, that there's a board that has a six by six grid and it's a competitive game. Each player is managing the resources of a garden. Mm-hmm. You buy seeds, you plant the seeds, you water the seeds, you harvest. And what you're trying to come up with at the end of the game is the highest number of points. You get points for harvesting the vegetables. And at the very end of the game, you get points for different combinations, three of a kind, four of a kind, five of a kind. Very easy to explain, but there are so many layers to the game. I love the idea that I believe I could take this game home and sit down and play it with family Mm, Yeah, and explain it pretty easily. But once you get to looking at it, there are layers and layers of strategy that you can do because the six by six grid, anybody can plant in the six by six grid. Okay. No, uh, so it's not individual. When you said that, I thought no. everybody had like their own individual garden that they were working on. So no. six by you six grid that the in, entire group is playing off of. Yes, you're oh. competing for that. And the strategy behind that is, is if I can get my plants in a horizontal, horizontal or vertical line, mm-hmm. if I water one, it will water them all in the line. Oh, nice. Instead of having to like water them all individually. Yes, because it costs you to water them. Mm-hmm. And some plants cost more than others. Mm-hmm. And so then you have the strategy of actually playing defensively right. and blocking people right. or hitching on to somebody else's mm-hmm. garden string. Right. So you want to get prime real estate in the garden because there's a corner of the garden where anything you harvest counts double. Oh. So, I mean, it's very, it's very straightforward. You, you buy seeds, you plant seeds, you roll dice, and that's how you figure out where you plant. Right. It's a six by six grid. You roll two, uh, four dice. You use two of them, any two that you want to determine the row and the column that you're going to plant your seed. Mm -hmm. And the other two you use as money to buy more seeds or to water or to, or to harvest. Cool. Yeah, so and there's multiple combinations of that you can do. There are wild cards you can get, mm-hmm. and there are expansions that we didn't even play because apparently there's a spade where you can dig things up, and there's a garden gnome. Yeah, I see that on the picture here. The expansion, free expansion includes the gnome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. So it's it's a, a nice small box game about the size of like Transamerica or something like that. Mm-hmm. It would be easy to travel with. It does have small pieces and punch outs and everything. But like I said, it's so fairly easy to explain. But as you play it, you realize you see begin to see the complexity behind it and how much replayability mm-hmm. it has right. as you develop the strategy. And the artwork is just gorgeous. Yeah, it, it looks like it. it looks very colorful and very fun. Yeah. yeah. So we're very, very, very proud of. Absolutely. Of That's great. That's great. Yeah, you should maybe talk to him bad. about coming on the show. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be great. I can pick I, his brain. <laughs> I, yeah, because game development, I mean, we we talked to went to a couple of panels at Dragon Con about people developing games mm-hmm. and and the guys pretty much say, you know, the 
for tabletop games, you know, it's a lot of math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you begin to realize that when you start running statistics yeah. and, or you play a bad game yeah. where the statistics seem to just constantly be stacked against you yeah. or, or easily for one player, yeah. you realize that math wasn't done very yeah, well. Yeah. There's, there's a lot, a lot of balance that needs to go into an effective board game and to, to call out a not great board game. I, I generally don't give not recommendations, but as our listeners know, Ron and I are big fans of the Big Bang Theory, and yeah. I've actually played the Big Bang Theory game that came out last Christmas, and, you know, I really wanted it to be great, and there's a lot that's really cute and kind of fun about it, and the basic strategy is all right, but the questions are so poorly written and so repetitive. It's like, come on, there's several seasons of the show, and they still focus on, like, I don't know, I've played it three times, and I think... There were maybe a dozen episodes referenced in the different sets of the cards that we came up with. So I'm like, come on, <laughs> you could have done a, a lot more with this. And I get the sense of it that it was rushed out of production to capitalize on how much people love the show. Yeah, And I can yeah. understand that, but I'm really just kind of sad that it's not a really great game. It does take a lot of effort to make a good and effective board game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So... Your last one. It's got to be a biggie. Yeah, this is my big one. This is my um, my current addiction. And anybody who's been following me on Twitter has probably seen me tweet some pictures about this and playing this and obsessively playing it over and over and over again. <laughs> but um, and I'm cheating, like I said, a little bit again with this one, because my last recommendation is a board game and an iPad app. And um, as you may have seen it on Tabletop by Geek and Sundry, it was the first game that they did, Small World from Days of Wonder. Um, and it's a board game, and I'm delighted to say that Target is now selling the Geek and Sundry tabletop games, and you can get it from $49.99 there, and that's the standard box price for um, that's awesome. for buying it. It really is great. To, I, I have to say, there's so much pride, I feel, you know, walking into to the game section of Target and seeing Pandemic and <laughs> yeah, much well, it, well, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, even when tabletop gaming was really game, gaining a lot of steam, that you still couldn't find these games yeah. in your regular yeah, store. You couldn't find them at all. And so I really commend Target for having embraced yeah. what's sort of you know up and coming, and to recognize that that people are you know, adults and, and people are interested in these kinds of games. So Small World is a strategy game, a little a little like Risk, where you have armies that you're deploying and you're trying to take over territories with them. The thing that makes Small World fantastic is there are several different, you know, races, but there's several different modifiers to those races as well. So you have like orcs who get extra points for um, taking over uh, areas that already have people in it. So they get an extra point for that. Um, but then you can have like flying orcs and flying means that you can go anywhere in the board you want to go. You don't have to go in the region that you start in. Most of the races are limited to one square to the next square. So flying will allow you to yeah. move among, you know, the entire board. Um, so there's orcs, there's um, halflings, and each one of the races has their own special abilities, um, and each of the modifiers does too. Like there's fortified, so some fortified like halflings you could get, so they would have a fort that you can place at the end of your turn. There's lots of different things. The complexity and depth involved in 
small world is just fantastic. You're trying to gain as much gold as you can by playing. So every time you conquer a region at the end of your turn, if you hold that region, you get at least one gold for it. Sometimes you have races that get more gold for holding different types of squares because there's hills and forests and swamps and all kinds of different things. So those are all different modifiers you can have. Um, Each race has different numbers involved in it, too. So there are different size of armies that you get. Um, I'm trying to think um, of there's a limited number of turns you have depending on how many people you have playing. And one of the things that I love about Small World is that the board is different depending on how many people you're playing with. Oh, that's nice. So it's a really small board for two people. Um, it's a you know got more spaces for three people. It's a larger board for four and five people. So uh, you can play with up to five people. Like I said, the boards do get bigger and more complex. There's a lot more going on when you have more people. Um, and it is just it it is addictive fun. <laughs> Now, you're, pl- you're playing it on what platform? I'm playing it. I've played both the board game, and after I played the board game and got addicted to it, um, after playing, I don't know, like 10 times in a matter of days, um, I you know they have an iPad app, which you can buy for $6.99, which also has two expansion packs you can get for $1.99 each. And I bought a lot of apps, and I have a lot of games on my iPad. That's primarily what I have on my iPad, other than sort of productivity things for notes and grades and things um i have games and this is the best money i have ever spent on on an app and and that's saying a lot because i feel like i yeah it is and a lot i've i play a lot of games on on touch screens and this is the best that i've i've invested and you know with the expansions i think i spent eleven dollars and i've played it i've had it about a week and a half now i think we've played it maybe 20 or 30 times in those you know, after you described it, I remember watching that on tabletop. Yeah. Um, through Geek and Sundry again. It reminds me of Defenders of the Realm, but do you, you since you've played it, the actual version, do you think that is a good gateway game for? Yes. Your casual social game tabletop gamer. Very much so. I think. Okay. In the there's two Days of Wonders games that I, that I really like. I like Ticket to Ride. I think that's a little easier to sort of gateway people into because it's just enough luck and just enough strategy for kind of balancing it out. There, this is definitely more strategy. So so it's definitely more on the strategy. But it is a good like if you know a lot of people have played Risk, and so it's very similar to Risk, although it's it's an easier game I think to play than Risk because there isn't as much luck sort of involved in the placement of things. You're very consciously putting your armies where you're putting them. So I think it's it's more fun and more engaging that way because you're really just creating it. And every time you play it, it's a different game. You always, you know, you end up with different combinations. You start to favor certain races that you know how to work really well. And one, yeah. one of the expansions, there are gypsies, which have become my favorite <laughs> to play. And um, <laughs> I can be pretty mean with them. <laughs> oh, 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 I can't wait to play with you. <laughs> <laughs> sit down and play spicy farkle and uh, 
small world. I can't wait. Yeah, they are. They are really fun. And one of the things I love that the limitations of the iPad app is that it's only two players. So you can only play two people on it. It's not a linked game. It's not a social game. So you can't play it with somebody else, like on your network or through your Facebook or something like that. You, you just hand the iPad back and forth as you play it. Um, but you don't have to clean it up. It is it is an involved game. There's, you know, little coins that you have for for points that you're tracking and all the races and all the race tokens and all that kind of stuff. So it, it in terms of like setting it up, it can take a while to set it up and, and play it. So the app is really nice for that, because if you are playing with two people, you don't have to go through all the steps of here. We have to set up the board and we have to get it out. No, I don't want to do that. And I'd rather just do this here. You just hand them, you know, the iPad back and forth to it. Yeah. yeah. It hasn't been updated. They haven't, they have the two expansions. That was one of the critiques of it on um, uh, the app store was, you know, I would really wish they would update this more. And I can, I can second that. I would, you know, any more expansions they would want to put on, <laughs> you would totally buy them as soon as they come out. Yeah. Because <laughs> it is so much fun. So cool. And if you haven't checked out Geek and Sundry, which we have also mentioned many times on the show, check it out. Check out Tabletop. We, we tend to focus more on digital games, but Ron and I are both, you know, big tabletop gamers as well. Oh, yeah. I have found so many fun games through that show. You just have to check it out and see, see what's up for you. So. Yep. Well, the, I think these are great recommendations and we could keep going on and on and on. Uh, I hope we've presented some new ideas and maybe some things to at least think about if you're a gamer and you want to, <laughs> like we keep saying, get some gateway drugs for some other people so that they can begin to game with you. Um, or if you want to try just something new, like I did with Civilization Five. I hope that we've talked about some things today that sound interesting. If you've got suggestions of your own, we really love to hear about it because there's like all the indie games that are out there and like my friend Doug who who got his game kickstarted. Anything out there that you've uh, run across that's really good, we'd love to hear about that as well. We are Game On Girl. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at R-H-O-R-H-O-O-M. You can also read my tech blog at drillonthefrog.com. And you can email me, Rhonda, at gameongirl.com. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with two Zs, as I'm known on Twitter. We absolutely adore all of the games that we shared today. So please uh, let us know if you take any of our recommendations and any sort of uh, family stories or experiences or uh, you have with these games. We'd love to hear about them. You can always. Yeah, uh, I warned you about Civ 5. (laughs) You have been warned. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, Civ 5, I've heard referred to as the. having an issue with the just one more turn phenomenon. Yes. I'll just play one more turn. I'll just play one more turn. Yeah. And then, you know, six hours later, you're like, oh my goodness, I just played six hours of just one more turn. So, um, and the same can be said, well, it's not just one more turn with small world. It's, oh, come on guys. Don't you want to play one more game? Which if, you know, some of my friends are listening, will know I've said at the end of every time we finish small world, you want to play again? You want to play again? You want to play again? So, (laughs) It can be a problem. (laughs) 
So please uh, give us your feedback on the website, gameongirl.com. Leave us some comments or um, share your stories and we'll share them on the show. Game on Girl is available on iTunes and Stitcher streaming. These links, along with references made in the show and screenshots and links to the games we talked about today, can be found on our website, gameongirl.com. This podcast is edited with audacity and the theme song, Good Day by Triple Fox, is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks for listening, and until next time, game on.